When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Oh, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar along with Jonathan Harrison here. And you know what, Jonathan? We have uh, reached a pretty dead point in the schedule. There aren't that many, but there are times where I think people just reach a point of draft exhaustion. So we're still going to talk some draft on the show. (laughs) But it definitely is that way where you get to a point where you're like, can we just draft some players already? So I understand there is pre-draft fatigue from folks, but we still have a very good and fun show on tap and uh, had an opportunity to go out, talk to some Vikings players, the ones who have decided to attend the uh, off-season workouts. So not Daniil Hunter, not Delvin Cook, not Zadarius Smith, but other people who are there and uh, got some interesting things about that, doing some writing about that. And I think, Jonathan, uh, it's a good place to start. But first, I will ask, how are you? Are you doing well? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, it, as you said, draft of fatigue is starting to set in. It feels like, I know it used to be the week in the past that this was the draft and the NFL decided we're going to push it back because we want to spread out our offseason calendar because we're off for nine months of the year. It's like, I don't know that you should have done that because it just, as you said, it feels dead. Everybody's kind of just wants the draft to be here. And then it's here next week and everybody gets excited again for a week. And then they're just like, well, okay, well on to whatever else is going on in the summer. And thankfully we'll have two football leagues. We now have what two football leagues going on, alternate football leagues going on to kind of take up our time. But for the most part, I think a lot of fans just want the draft to be here. And this feels this week in particular feels like the week that it should be on because it feels like the perfect time for it. Yes. You'll have one more week of just like nothing to talk about in the NFL or the off season and all the players just go home to do whatever. But I think this is a good week. This should be a good week for it. And the NFL should probably think about moving it back. Yeah. I have noticed that the uh, XFL and the USFL have had some successes, which is good. And that some of their rule changes are catching on and things like that. And uh, the USFL is trying to, you know, get this system of figuring out what actually is a first down and where the ball should be spotted, which I think a lot of us for, I don't know how long have said, how is this real? And there has been a chip in the ball for some time. Uh, and yet they haven't really been able to use it. And there are nuances to all of those things, but I think spawning of the football is one of the funniest things that it's like, it is the year 2023 folks. And we just got somebody running in from the sideline, totally guessing. And uh, last year, uh, uh, Kaylin Kaler, our friend from the athletic, she wrote 
a story about the QB sneaks and about the Philadelphia and they were the, doing the butt push for the first downs and stuff, which I guess they could still do. But um, you know, they didn't ban that from happening. But uh, the, I guess uh, one of the things that Jason Kelsey would do is he would actually move the ball forward a couple of inches when he would line up. So he would get the ball and he would put his hand on it. And as he was like shuffling around his stance, he would actually just like inch it forward a little bit. And the other team would be like, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and, and like, if they didn't see it, they didn't see it. And so, I mean, there's gotta be some sort of repercussions here or way to, you know, just tell where the ball is supposed to be yeah. spotting and not have any hijinks going on or just not have any inaccuracy because you could be talking about in a game that's so just, uh, first of all, has so much money, but also has so many eyeballs on it and you can't spot the ball correctly. And then think about all the challenges that are used for ball spots. Right. And it's always been a highlight. Like there's all sorts of things that have been problematic that one of the things I just love for these leagues is that they are trying to solve some of the NFL's problems and draw some eyes uh, on them from that. So that uh, that's pretty cool to watch. But, you know, I mean, I've kind of turned my eyes as everybody else has to double overtime, wild games, Wolves getting blown out in Denver, having to wait three days for some reason for another playoff game for the Wolves. I don't, I don't really understand. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Scheduling for that. So, uh, but anyway, those leagues are kind of getting buried a bit, but I'm still enjoying them. So anyway, uh, let's get to our questions here. And you know, the first thing on my mind is that both Brian Osmoa and Lewis Seen talked to us this week at workouts. And I have to say, uh, just real quick before I get to the, the question in our conversation, it is amazing to hear people talk about Lewis Seen, how good he looks, that he's back on track, that he's been doing some full workout stuff, because when he got injured and they talked about what that injury was, and you were there for that, that injury, yeah. absolutely gruesome. I think you saw a replay that they didn't show on TV, right? Just horrific, horrific yeah. stuff. And the fact that he is able to potentially be there for training camp and maybe even get involved a little bit OTA's mini camp. Uh, yeah, absolutely incredible. And the fact that it's not going to set back his career is, I don't want to say miracle, but almost kind of close that it's not setting him back more because that injury was potentially career altering. Yeah. From you, you mentioned, I was there at uh, Tottenham Hotspur stadium when it happened and they had in the press area, they had like little iPads or whatever. And they weren't really iPads, but they had little tablets that had alternate views of things going on. So the press could see different things. He'd be able to write about it. And they showed that replay of, from a different angle of that injury. And it was, it was horrifying. You didn't want to see it. And they showed it, I think twice. And then there's like, ah, let's not do this again. And thankfully they didn't show it on the television uh, broadcast because it was really bad from what, from everything that you, that we saw in the stadium and, and from everything that we've heard, it was potentially career threatening. And the fact that it's not the fact that he'll be back and ready possibly by training camp is just, it's a medical miracle that that players are able to turn around and be able to be healthy after such, after such crazy injuries that they can suffer. So yeah, it's, it's great to hear that he's going to be back and that it'll, it'll knock what a couple weeks off his career and then he'll be back and ready to go. And that's, that's incredible. It's good to hear that. You know, you go back, you think about sports science and stuff. You go back to the 80s, and if you tore your ACL, your career was pretty much over. And I remember that was the the Cheryl Miller story, that she was like the greatest uh, women's basketball player ever and then tore her ACL, and that's what ended her career. I mean, think about that. We laugh at that now. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, Jameis Williams tore his ACL. 
in the championship game, he'll play this season. Like what? I mean, Adrian Peterson is the all-time example of that. When was it December that he had torn his ACL, came back the next year, ran for 2,000 yards. Pitchers in baseball, if you tore your UCL, your career was over. Now everyone gets Tommy John, boop, they're right back in the league. And even the Achilles, I mean, the Achilles used to be this horrific, horrific injury. Kevin Durant's playing in the playoffs after an Achilles. Uh, Kelsey Plum had an Achilles injury. She was back, won a championship with the Vegas Aces last year. So we're seeing this, and uh, I mean, great timing for him because even five, seven, ten years ago, that might have really set back his career, and uh, now it looks like he's in good shape. But still, man, I imagine you go through a lot when something like that happens. So to see him up there talking about his rehab, everybody else talking about how they kind of have forgotten even what he went through, considering that he's just back around the team, uh, that's that's just that's just great, just tremendous news. So anyway, uh, the 2022 draft class is interesting though because we talked to both of those guys, Lucine and Brian Asamoah. Both would seem in line to be starters. Asamoah for sure, and Lucine very likely that in his second year as a first round pick, he's going to start over Cam Bynum. Uh, what do you think that the Vikings 2022 draft class? like ultimately ends up being graded because, you know, you hear those annoying things and we used to make fun of this, uh, but like the, well, you can't grade a draft class for three years. Like, Oh, well, excuse me. Let me just, <laughs> let me just wait. We'll just all sit quietly. Uh, Jonathan, are you ready to grade the 2019 draft class? Like what, what are you doing here? Right? No one, no one does that. You react in the moment and then we see how it plays out. That's how everything works. Somebody wins in week one. We make declarations. Maybe they do nothing after that, right? You know, we don't know that the Carolina Panthers, when they went one in 15, they won week one, Chris Winkie, and I think he beat the Vikings and they lost all the other games the whole rest of the year. So sorry to the people who overreacted to Chris Winkie's one good game, right? That's how life works. But anyway, um, where let's just say we're, we're kind of throwing out last year. Where do you think that they end up being graded overall? And is there any way to get that to an A for this Vikings 2022 draft class to end up ultimately getting an A from us? Uh, to get an A, you need Lewis scene to come back. And I don't think he has to be a superstar right away, but he has to take over probably one of those starting roles within this season, uh, which before the injury, it didn't look like he was close because he was behind Josh Metellus and Cam Bynum at the time. So you want to see the guy that you saw in the Georgia defense. And this defense under Brian Flores looks like it probably fits him a little bit better than the Ed Donatel defense ever did. So I would think that under Brian Flores, you'll get a better version of Lewis scene. Um, so you need him to start taking over one of those starting roles within this season or very close to that. You'd need Andrew Booth to suddenly stop getting injured every five seconds, unfortunately. Um, you just need that to happen and him to be one of your top two cornerbacks, if not the top cornerback on this team. Ty Chandler, I think, has a has a route to becoming one of the, the top two running backs on this team should Dalvin Cook leave. So that'll help you out to getting the fifth-round running back and showing that, yeah, we don't need to draft a first-round running back like the Falcons are the favorites to land Bijan Robinson for some reason, despite there are plenty of needs elsewhere. So you have this route to getting there. You have Jalen Naylor who has some skills, maybe at, at wide receiver. Can he be a wide receiver three or four for this team? If you can get all those to happen, if you can get Brian Asamoah to be the linebacker number one and be a very dynamic version of a linebacker we haven't seen on this team in a while, 
I think there's a route to getting that to be an A, but it's going to take a lot more work than you saw last year because there's a lot of pieces that are there to move up into these starting roles uh, should the Vikings eventually move on from some of these guys. But you'd also need some of those guys to start getting healthy. You need Ed Ingram to start playing well as the team's right guard because he wasn't good at all and teams were targeting him last year. You're going to need him to take a step up, a bigger step up than you would want from a second-year guy because he was – he was terrible last year, and you need you need him to you need him to take a big step up as the team's right guard if he's going to be given that position again. And it looks like from all things he is going to be. So there's a route to getting it to an A. It's just going to take a lot of work, and we'll see if that's able to happen. Yeah, I think that if we're being realistic, like because we could go through every pick and say, well, the route to an A is that they become a very good starter, <laughs> yeah, right. and yeah, of course that's true that they would need in order for it to be an A draft, multiple players become starters. I think you have to have, in order for it to be an A, one player becomes a star. That doesn't mean he has to be the best player, but an Eric Hendricks level star who is a pro bowler or a Delvin Cook level star that, I mean, I guess for a, a couple of years, he was one of the premier running backs in the league, but I don't even think you need like a Harrison Smith, who is a borderline hall of famer, right? You don't need that to come from this, but you need one player that's going to be kind of irreplaceable or very, very hard to replace one player who gets a huge second contract because he was so fantastic. And then two to three other players who are starters and maybe another contributor or so. So let's say that you what you need is an average starter out of Ed Ingram. You need an average starter out of Brian Osamoa. And then you need either Andrew Booth Jr. or Lewis Seen to become an absolute star. And then maybe somebody else mixes in. Ty Chandler, he's a he's somebody who plays. Jalen Naylor gets 25, 30 catches a year. Like that, that would make it an A. The chances that it becomes an A because it didn't do anything in the first year, yeah. I think aren't maybe not harmed as much as you would think like because the first round or the first year of everybody's career can be very very up or down it's really the second year where you start to see how these things are going to come to fruition or whether they're not so we probably think that we know more than we do know about this class about Lewis scene about Andrew Booth However, the the evidence is not good. Like not beating out Cam Bynum in Lewis Seen's first year. Uh, Brian Asamoah actually put on some pretty good tape, but he only played 100 snaps, so we don't really know where that's going to go. But worst guard in the league in pass protection, not a very good sign. That means you have to make huge progress to even get to be an average player. Uh, five times injured, Andrew Booth Jr., that's not a very good sign either. And even when he was in the game, it's not like he played well. We haven't talked about a Caleb Evans, another guy that had multiple injuries during his first season that when he played, he showed flashes, but wasn't particularly great. So the evidence is not all that good. I think they would have to go a long, long way to get to an A. Could it be a B though? I think a B is much more uh, plausible that Lewis Seen could be a good player. He's got really good physical skills that you know, maybe you know one of those guys in the second round becomes a complete bust. Maybe the other one becomes a halfway decent player. And then there's a few other contributors. I think that's totally possible. I really like what I see and hear from Brian Osamoa. I think he could become a very, very good player. And the other ones are kind of up in the air. Uh, I also wanted to ask about the 2022 class. If you look back at the first round now with even just a little bit of hindsight that we have, Aside from saying, hey, the Vikings shouldn't have traded down because I think you could say that (laughs) at this point. But 
what, like, what would you change? What would you redo if you were another team, if you knew what you know now? Uh, if I'm Jacksonville, I probably just take Aiden Hutch and I probably Hutchinson. I probably don't overthink it and go with Trayvon Walker. Who's got the upside, but Aiden Hutchinson was good from the get go. He, he had nine and a half sacks his rookie year. That's an incredible number for a rookie on a team that for half the season was pretty bad, but he was a star the entire season. Essentially. If I'm, if I'm Jacksonville, that's the, that's, that's the first thing I do is I don't overthink it. I take the guy who's right there in Aiden Hutchinson. Um, also, if I'm Houston, I don't take Derek Stingley Jr. over Sauce Gardner. Don't overthink that. Sauce Gardner was thought to be the number one corner in that class, and he proved that he's the number one corner in that class, and he's already one of the best cornerbacks in the entire league. So uh, those are the two that I that I would switch right off the bat looking at that class uh, that I can think of outside of obviously Vikings don't trade down to 32. That's I don't think this is a hot take, but I think if you're the Jaguars and you're redoing it, you might take Garrett Wilson number one overall. Think about how good Garrett Wilson, how yep. valuable wide receivers are, who your quarterback is, Trevor Lawrence, who you've got around him right now. It's mm-hmm. an unspectacular group of wide receivers. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones is not a great group uh, of wide receivers. Now, Kelvin Ridley's going to help them a lot, but if you had Kelvin Ridley and Garrett Wilson and Christian Kirk, then all of a sudden you'd be talking about a really Ooh. good group. And look, I mean, pass rushers are very hard to get your hands on. They're not a dime a dozen. I mean, not guys that have the freakish ability like Trayvon Walker, but I think you know who your meal ticket's going to be for the next number of years. Yeah. And if you were able to pair a superstar young receiver like Garrett Wilson with a superstar young quarterback, both on rookie contracts, that's a surplus value of like <laughs> 50 million. I mean, that would be crazy, right? So it, yeah. sometimes... It's like wide receiver. The NFL has not fully come around to just how much that position is worth and it's worth taking. And so they took the biggest beast on the, on the draft board and Trayvon Walker might end up being great. I could see it. I don't think he was terrible last year. I think he could become very good. There might even be another argument for taking sauce Gardner. Number one, how many true shutdown corners are there in the NFL? There's probably only five, seven really true shutdown corners. Those guys are worth a lot. So yeah, I think that you're right. That Trayvon Walker is definitely uh, worth talking about regrets and maybe the, the Drake London pick for the Falcons uh, as opposed to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who were both quite a bit better. How about the people that looked at Kyle Hamilton and said, ah, he's too slow. He didn't run at a good enough 40. Yeah. He was one of the best defenders in the league last year. So always hindsight every year is hindsight, but I do think that at very least that the Jaguars maybe taking Hutchinson as opposed to Walker is one that was not hindsight. That was everybody thought that was going to be the number one pick until kind of right before the draft. And when it's a big surprise, sometimes it's always not the best idea. Uh, Let's answer some of these questions real quick, Jonathan from uh, miles. Love the show. Appreciate that miles very much. How much smoke uh, are all these teams throwing out there about the QBs dropping? I, every year I have no idea. I honestly, truthfully have no idea. And I don't think anyone else does either because I was told a story and I I have to make sure that I'm vague here, but about (laughs) a quarterback who was reported to be going to a certain team within the last three years, put it that way. And (laughs) that team had the guy like as their eighth quarterback on the board, that this quarterback was supposed to be there. It was reported. It was out there. It was mocked. Everybody thought this was going to happen. And this quarterback was not even actually anywhere close to the board. 
for where the, this team took. And that type of that type of thing happens all the time where it's either teams putting out smoke or it's just, hey, you know, this reporter knows an agent who thinks that their player is going to go to whatever team based on what they've heard. But teams don't even tell the truth to agents. Yeah. They don't tell a lot of times players will say, yeah, this team said they were going to draft me. Lewis seen last year talked about three or four teams that said, oh, if you're there, we're going to draft you. And then those teams didn't draft him. I, th- there's usually only one, two, three people who know exactly what's going to happen in an organization. They don't go into the meetings and announce, Hey, every scout tell your friends, family, right. here's who we're dressed. It's a lot of times. And this was the case with San Francisco. Remember with the Trey Lance thing that it came out later that only Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were the only ones who knew who they were picking when they made that trade. And I'm sure that they had lots of meetings and lots of conversations, but before it came down to it. So anything you read, and here's the other thing too, that some of the gambling people that I follow make their bank off of bet. And this is like professional gamblers make their bank off the draft because they know that nobody knows. And so like, it's hard to pick games and make money. There are very few people in the world who can do it. And I don't, I don't even know if anybody year to year is amazing even the best gamblers at picking games on Sundays. But when it comes to the draft, the uncertainty is where they win because they know that no one's going to get it. So I think anything you read that sounds certain at all, any line moves that people think are reports or something, uh, I wouldn't put any stock in it. Nobody knows what's going to happen on draft night. I mean, look how look how wrong some of these mock drafts are uh, after you look back at them. And you look at what happened in the draft. It it's incredible. Like some of these guys who are super well connected, like the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world. It just it's it all they get. What did Daniel Jeremiah get? Like seven or eight a couple of years ago, and he bragged about it because obviously you should. You got eight correct. You're never going to do that again. And it's just the thing that changed for me was the Malik Willis thing last year, where where a couple of weeks before the draft, wasn't he projected to be like the number two overall pick to to the to Detroit and then he goes in the third round it's just none of these teams are going to tell anybody not a single soul what they're going to do so all anything you hear right now over the next week and a half is just complete smoke don't I wouldn't trust anything that's coming out right now yeah and there are contests every year and people track whose mocks were the most accurate and I think that the winner from last year may got may have gotten 14 which is amazing to get 14 but out of all the people mocking (laughs) And to get 14 out of 32 kind of tells you. So I have always put no stock in who's visiting what team. We don't even Mm -hmm. talk about it. When I see prospects, oh, this prospect reportedly is visiting the Vikings. We don't discuss it because it means less than nothing. Sometimes they draft the guy who visited. Sometimes they don't. Uh, Yeah, I never really know. So I would say what percentage is smoke? I'd say it's all smoke until we find out exactly what happened. That's that's not as fun as talking about uh, some of the reports and rumors that uh, might be right or might be wrong, but I feel like we have to have as reckless as we can be some shred of like, we got to live in reality here <laughs> that none of this is actually true. Uh, from uh, Bradley here, if uh, one of the top two quarterbacks fall Levis uh, and Richardson beyond the 10th pick, or one of those two quarterbacks, Levis or Richardson fall beyond the, the 10th pick, I assume that you're asking if uh, the Vikings should trade up there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the second part of the question. Can, can you see the Vikings trading up? Um, yeah, I can. I can. 
I'm not convinced. I guess we'll see. I'm not convinced that uh, they would be the biggest on Will Levis because he does struggle with accuracy. And I think if someone's going to have that surprising drop, it's going to be him. And some of this is going off of, and I know it may sound silly, but Rick Spielman made a video just kind of throttling Will Levis. And look, you could say, oh, what does Rick Spielman know about quarterbacks? <laughs> and that, okay, fair, fair enough. But Rick, Rick has spent a lot of his life as a scout and he has gone to thousands of pro days. And I think that he is probably reflective of the feelings of a lot of people who scout that the accuracy is such a problem for Will Levis. And it was in his games and it was in his pro day that that could scare some people off. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, So I think that that's possible is what I'm saying that he does drop past 10. I would be hesitant to trade up for him. Now, that's in part because he is not a special, unreal, obscene athlete mm-hmm. who could easily run for a thousand yards in the NFL like Anthony Richardson. If Anthony Richardson is Vince Young, you could still win a lot of games with him. I also think his character is much higher than Vince Young. I think he takes football more seriously. I think it's a little bit of a different era than it used to be as far as raising quarterbacks in the NFL than it was when Vince Young played. But the point was that even a mediocre passer can win a lot of games running. And I think that there are things that can be improved with Anthony Richardson. So if he shockingly dropped past number 10, that one is worth trading your future first to go up because you won't find another athlete like that for another five years. I mean, almost guaranteed Uh, another, I mean, there will be strong arm guys and there will be fast guys, but a 10 out of 10, on relative athletic scores, literally the highest athlete ever to go into the combine. And plus, I mean, if you go and watch his games and the way he threw the ball down the field, I feel like it's harder to teach somebody to throw it 20 yards like he did than it is to you know, get the footwork right to throw short passes and scheme up short throws. So, yeah, I mean, if the Vikings are looking for somebody who can deliver deep throws and who's a playmaker, who can bail you out when there's pressure, who can run for 50 yard touchdowns and stuff like, yeah, I mean, Anthony Richardson is your guy. So that's, that's my opinion, Jonathan, that if Will Levis drops, I'm not trading up for him. If Anthony Richardson is, I'm making every phone call under the sun. If Will Levis drops, it doesn't feel like the Vikings would go for him because of what, and I know it, they try and give you smoke screens at the pre-draft press conference, but from what Kevin O'Connell said, he looks for in quarterbacks. It doesn't seem to fit Will Levis kind of at all. So I don't think they would do that, but as you said, the athleticism and the character and everything that else is around Anthony Richardson, if somehow he sneaks out of the top 10, you'd have to be out of your mind to not try and trade out, trade up to get him. It just seems like you're not going to, you're not going to get crucified for taking that pick or trying to move up to take that pick because of everything that's there, the talent that is there, the ability that could be there. If everything works out, there's no way that you should, if it does fail, say, you shouldn't be, uh, you, you won't get criticized for that because of what was there beforehand and everything that should be, that looks like it could be there. If you're able to kind of nurture that and make that, make him into an NFL, an NFL level quarterback. Yeah. You've got yourself an all world talent. Like you've got a Cam Newton level uh, player who could possibly even be better if you can get the passing in and you can get everything else in. Yeah. I, I wouldn't criticize anybody for moving up and taking Anthony Richardson. Well, and, and we use, uh, you know, Cam as the example, cause he's huge, just like yeah. Anthony Richardson. But even think about, think about Jalen Hurts, like a yeah, spectacular, exactly. spectacular runner, 
who in his first year as a passer was really bad uh, at Alabama and then developed and got better and got better. And that's the thing that you can't know with anyone. It's like, that's the conversation with everyone. So when we talk about, well, you know, who knows if he can actually get better at this, that, or the other thing, who knows if any of them can get better at any of the things because they all have to get better. So I'm taking the person who has the potential highest ceiling. And there is, you know, there is kind of a Josh Allen comp, but I think about how like Will Levis is 23. I think he might actually be 24 by the time the season starts. So we've made fun of Hendon Hooker. Will Levis is almost the same age. And with uh, Anthony Richardson, he's 21. And so if he had stayed in college for two more years, what does it look like if he's developing? Uh, And I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that similar quarterbacks with absolute freak athleticism have improved over the years. And I'm, I'm rolling the dice on that. I'm not so much rolling the dice on a pocket quarterback who struggles with accuracy. That to me is uh, a little more risky. How about uh, this one here? Quick pie chart on the odds of the first pick being quarterback receiver corner or defensive line. I would go immediately like 40% corner, maybe 20% receiver, 20% D-line, and 20% quarterback. Do I want to go that high with quarterback? Maybe maybe 25, 25, and 10. So did I add that up correctly? 40, 25, 25, 10. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Bingo. (laughs) Take that, Miles. That'll teach you to dare me to do a pie chart on the fly. So 40% corner, 25% wide receiver, 25% D-line, 10% quarterback. Still not entirely buying that they actually take a quarterback. Now now that you've had a second to think about it and don't have to do it immediately, what do you think? I'm still having to do the math in my head, which is a little bit hard. Uh, I would probably say if they don't move up, I can't see them picking a quarterback. I mean, everybody's been mocking Hendon Hooker to them at 23, and he'll most likely be there at 23. But I can't see them, so I'd probably go 10 on the quarterback, uh, the cornerback itself, it feels like that's going to be the pick if, if, and it's a deep enough class where it could be. So I feel like that one could be the majority of the pick. So I'm going to go probably, you said what, 25 for cornerback. I said 40 for corner 25 for a D line and wide receiver 25 each. I think you're right. I, it's hard for me to disagree with what you said there, because it just feels like that's right. Cause it feels like cornerback is where they're going to go with how much they need help in that department and with where this draft class is lining up at that position it feels like that's the right pick but also with the need for a a wide receiver two or three depending on how kj osborne uh progresses this year i don't want to get on his bad side uh like we saw on twitter this weekend uh so i'm not going to say he's not the wide receiver two he could he could possibly develop into that wide receiver two which would be an amazing draft for the vikings to get both those guys uh in the same draft, I, I would, I would say wide receiver and defensive defensive line are probably the same in that same boat. So yeah, it's hard for me to disagree with your numbers. We do have to consider about KJ Osborne uh, because if they draft a rookie, KJ Osborne from the start is going to be wide receiver too. It's unlikely yep. unless that receiver is a Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave <laughs> uh, that he's anything except for wide receiver two for the beginning of next season, and then just see where it goes from there. But uh, he's also a free agent soon, and Mm -hmm. that matters to drafting a wide receiver. So I've been trying to, you know, bang the usual wide receiver drum every year until they actually do it. Um, But I still think that Brian Flores is going to need his corner. Uh, They just they have too much uncertainty now at that position. But maybe, you know, I mean, maybe they believe in 
Uh, right now you're talking about a Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth Jr. And Byron Murphy as your cornerback group. It's just not uh-huh. enough. There needs yeah. to be someone else. And uh, that makes sense. This is a good question here uh, from crit zero zero two two. Uh, wanted Quasey to draft Jamison Williams last year. Curious where you think he would rank amongst wide receivers in this draft. And the answer is number one. Uh, and I don't even think it's actually remotely close. He would be number one, a team traded from number 32 all the way yeah. up to number 12 to get him. I like Jackson Smith and the Jigba, but he does not have the high end of Jamison Williams. That doesn't mean that Jamison Williams will be better than any of these receivers who are coming out this year, but the receivers coming out this year are far more flawed. I mean, Jamison Williams was looked at as like a Tyreek Hill type of prototype, insane, blazing speed, good hands. Uh, you know, somebody who is taken right toward the top of the draft where we're talking about this draft, it might be one wide receiver in the entire first round, and it might be Jackson Smith, the Jigba. You might not even see the first receiver taken till 15th, 17th, 20th. And even then it's more based on uh, the value of the position than it would necessarily even be the skill set in comparison. That's the criticism of this year's receiver draft is that, you know, most people are looking at it as, like it just doesn't have that Jamison Williams, the Chris Olave, the Garrett Williams. I mean, there was just there was a lot of talent in last year's receiver class. And I think Williams would be number one. And I agree with you that, you know, maybe there was some overthinking there. Although I still will say that if the Vikings had made the same trade back and taken Christian Watson instead, and this is hindsight that he's become a good player, but that would have felt like a really good steal. So, okay, you're drafting a receiver, but those two, Aren't, maybe aren't that far away from each other and the odds aren't that different, but taking a safety is what made it questionable trading is so far back for a position that's usually easily replaced. But again, that, that does not want to pass judgment on Lewis scene. That's more of just a positional value um, type of conversation. Let me uh, just uh, scroll down a little bit here and see if we can answer any more questions before. Uh, no, we can move on to our, our next question here. And uh, we won't get to all five of our hot routes because you guys always have really great questions. And I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. So um, Jalen Hurts signed a $255 million contract that actually doesn't get expensive on the cap for three years, which is just hilarious. And it's kind of amazing the way that Kirk Cousins contract has always been expensive. Uh, and yet, because other players have worked it out to not have so much guaranteed or have the number much bigger than the guaranteed. This is kind of how Patrick Mahomes worked it out that Mahomes took a $500 million contract allegedly, but it wasn't actually a $500 million contract and they can rework it and all these things. Okay. So it becomes actually very reasonable. Same thing for Jalen hurts. Uh, Is it going to be a good contract for the Eagles though, Jonathan? And uh, is there another quarterback in the league right now that could be sort of the next Jalen Hurts that we overlooked and could actually end up being better than we thought? Because Jalen Hurts going into last year, I think we knew his supporting cast was spectacular. We did not expect an MVP caliber season out of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I think it will be a good contract because as you said, it doesn't get expensive for three years. That's still within their window to succeed and to be successful and have uh, to win. Cause they just went to the super bowl. They were a couple points away from winning it against the chiefs. So him keeping that contract or the, them keeping that contract cheap for the next three years allows them to continue to build around him. And you've seen, and we've seen plenty of times uh, over the past couple of years, how that helps a team having flexibility on the cap 
because your quarterback stays cheap uh, to be able to load up everywhere else on the field. And that's clearly going to help the Eagles because they need to, because they're going to have to start paying guys. AJ Brown is going to have to get paid here. I, I, it makes sense for me. And I think it will be a successful contract. I think they'll win a Super Bowl because it seems like they have good pieces around and Jalen Hurts showed that he's a really good quarterback, despite what people were saying. As for quarterbacks who I think are being undervalued a little bit, that could become the next Jalen Hurts. I think that that changes that question a little bit for me. I think a guy, and I don't, I know Vikings fans don't want to hear this, but Jordan Love, we know nothing about him. But if he becomes, if he becomes as good as Green Bay thinks he is, the reason why they're moving on from Aaron Rodgers other than just the personality and wanting to get the hell away from him. Uh, they they clearly believe in Jordan Love. That's why they drafted him in the first round, despite needing a wide receiver for the past eight years, essentially. If he becomes a quarterback that they think he is, he's, he's going to get that next contract, and he's going to be really good for a Green Bay Packers organization that really, unfortunately, for their fans, hasn't built around their quarterbacks the best over the past 20 years. So... I think he's he might be undervalued because we just don't know what we're seeing or what what's there yet because we haven't seen too much of him. Yeah, uh, so I mean, Jordan Love is probably the right answer, like you said. I'm sure no Vikings fans want to hear that, but if there's someone who has the potential to go from we don't really know what someone what someone's going to be, who is a current starter, not a draft pick, and then yeah. wow, because this last draft didn't have anybody outside of Kenny Pickett, who would be my okay. answer for this, is that. You know, Kenny Pickett, maybe you surround him with better receivers. I don't know if trading for Allen Robinson does that, but uh, George Pickens was pretty good last year, a whole offseason, a, a good organization with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You could see he's not really being talked about as, oh, this great uh, great quarterback or anything else. And the AFC has so many of them that it's easy to get buried. Right. But if someone has a second-year jump in them, uh, for Hertz it was third, the other ones are kind of like way out there, but I guess who knows? I mean, Desmond Ritter, for some reason, the Atlanta Falcons are buying into Desmond Ritter. I don't think it's a good idea, no. but they do for some reason. And maybe that's the guy. Uh, he does have some good weapons there, a good running game, a, a coach that's going to have the boots. You know, they're going to run a bunch of play actions and stuff. So, I mean, with every one of these, I could just hear everyone going like, what? Desmond Ritter or Sam, right. or, Sam, or Sam Howell or Kenny Pickett. Like these guys didn't show us a whole lot last year. That's true. But you would have said the same thing about Jalen Hurts a year ago. If you go back and look, go to quarterback rankings 2022. Find me any that had him in the top 20. And last year he was in the top five of performing quarterbacks. So a lot of times we don't really you know, have the foresight to be able to see when someone's going to take that huge jump. Someone is probably, but we just don't know which one of these guys it is. I don't think it's to the level of MVP, but yeah. if we were coming back a year from now saying, well, Atlanta somehow has their quarterback, Desmond Ritter's the guy. I wouldn't be totally shocked if that happened or Sam Howell in Washington or uh, Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. If they it would, I mean, would you ever be surprised if Pittsburgh won a division out of nowhere? Like, no, because the, they always seem to find a way to be competitive. Um, but right now, that's really hard to see. Uh, you mentioned A.J. Brown, another contract that's set up that's very cheap right now. will get insanely expensive soon. Philly is just absolutely flawless at understanding yeah. their windows. I mean, flawless. Best in the league. No one's even close to their front office at understanding. Here's the time to win. They, got, they just went all in with A.J. Brown. 
They set up these contracts to win, a, a, you know, or get to the Super Bowl again within the next couple of years and lose to Mahomes again if uh, that happens <laughs> for next year. But they get it. They get it. This is it. Like, go for it. Because after this, people get expensive. You lose these star players. Jason Kelsey's coming back. Right. That, that, that it's hard to hold together a championship caliber team if even if you have just a good quarterback and not necessarily Mahomes. So, you know, I, I really think um, that they've done a great job here setting up this contract for him and how it plays out. It's probably going to play out the same way a lot of these do, where these next couple of years are going to be amazing for them. And then when it comes apart, they're going to come on hard times and then they're going to decide how much they blame the quarterback for that. And Jalen. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Hurts is just getting better all the time. I mean, his Super Bowl performance, throwing the football, which was the biggest criticism, was fantastic. And I don't think that that's going anywhere. I think he will be a quarterback who can be paid and succeed. But we can't deny that Philadelphia's supporting cast is a major reason why. Um, So I would say that they'll probably be really great for the next couple years. And then things will get harder and they'll slide back to the middle. And where they go from there will determine kind of the rest of his career. Um, let's see. I want to answer this question from Derek. Let's see if Kirk starts for the Vikings this year, knowing that he plays with a chip on his shoulder, how does the relationship between uh, KOC and cousins knowing that he isn't under contract for 2024. Here's the thing about Kirk cousins that blows my mind. And I mean this as the biggest compliment that I can. This I think is his best skill that he has in the world. This man does not care about anything else going on. He has the ultimate horse blinders of any player who who's ever played. I mean, in Washington, he took the, the owner couldn't stand him, obviously wanted RG three and the owner's a sociopath. So like, whatever, but like the, the owner didn't want him starting and the president slash GM Bruce Allen was calling him Kurt for some reason. And, and RG three was just chilling. Like just there, all these distractions. The sports radio there, which I promise you is a little more harsh in Washington, D.C. than it is in Minnesota. (laughs) I know it is, was debating him every day with rage, right? Uh, That's how Mm -hmm. sports radio and media is on the East Coast. And yet he put up the big numbers. He got this huge contract. He comes here and he's he misses the playoffs the first year, takes a ton of criticism, comes back, wins a playoff game the next year. How about this? His wide receiver skips practice, just straight skips practice. They are melting. The building is on fire. (laughs) He comes out the next week against the New York Giants, absolutely torches them and moves on. The man can be criticized no matter what. The COVID thing was going on through 2020 and still same Kirk or 20, what was it? 2021 actually when, uh, uh, yeah, it was 2021 and he played extremely well to start the season after Mike Zimmer just flamed him in front of the entire world and, and all this, like, I don't know. He just does that. And I think that whether he's under contract for an extension or not, which looks a lot more like not than he will be, he's just going to be Kirk. It's amazing. I've never seen him like this. I don't know how that happens or how he's so good at that, but it doesn't matter. Like ESPN, you can turn on ESPN and they're just like destroying Kirk. Oh, he can't win Monday night football, whatever else. And he'll just go be himself. So that's an amazing skill that he has. I don't think anything changes about him this year. He's played his entire career with his head coaches outside of maybe Kevin O'Connell, not wanting him as their quarterback. You could, you could clearly say that about Mike Zimmer never really wanted him. You could tell in that press conference, 
the the introductory press conference, he wasn't too thrilled about spending that much money because he knew it would cost his defense, and it eventually did. He got out of Washington because no one there wanted him, as you you've quite clearly laid out. He's essentially spent his entire career as the quarterback no one on the team that he's currently employed for essentially wants. And that's incredible. Like to be able to still put up the numbers that he has and have the career that he has, it's incredible to be able to just go in there and focus on what you're supposed to do, despite knowing that the guy leading the football team that you're currently quarterbacking kind of doesn't want you. So yeah, as much as we may not, some people may not like Kirk Cousins and want to move on. You have to admit that, as you said, his horse blinders, his ability just to stay focused on the task at hand is probably second to none in this entire league. And even when it comes to like other quarterbacks who are stars will still be like talking about the haters and Mm -hmm. hearing the criticism. And he never even seems to get into any of that. And I am certain that he is told about it and that he's aware of it. And maybe even that he's upset about it. I'm not saying that the guy doesn't get upset when he gets criticized and feel like it's unfair and go home to his family and say, WT, (laughs) WT, uh, gosh, I guess would be, um, for him. And, but, but, but he doesn't let it change the way he plays. That's what I mean. I'm not saying that no criticism ever gets to the guy. I'm sure that it does. It just has never changed the way he plays. The minute you think Kirk has fully melted and he's had this three game and you know, the offensive coordinators fired and everything, the pets heads are falling off. And then all of a sudden Kirk just has a good game and he just gets back on course and they're back in the playoff every single time. I don't know. I have no idea because it's always funny when you listen to quarterbacks who went bust over the years and they'll do interviews after they went, well, what went wrong and whatever else with your career. And it's always, well, the team didn't buy into me enough. I didn't right. have the right coaching. And, and sometimes guys will admit that they just couldn't make it. But for the most part, there's always this sort of train of excuses of like, oh, I was not, not their guy, not this GM's guy, not this guy, or they like somebody better, or they didn't coach me up enough, or they didn't give me enough time or they, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I think that that type of pressure, none of us could really understand the pressure of being a, a franchise quarterback, of being a top draft pick, of having all those expectations. And this dude just never lets it get to him. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be the same. I think he will be exactly Mm -hmm. Kirk for next year. And the only thing that could get to him is just age. He took a ton of hits last year, and yeah. if that hap- if that wore on his body, or if that happens again, that could be, um, you know, that could be a trouble for him. So the last thing I wanted to ask before we uh, wrapped up, because I had a few more questions, but you guys have asked great questions yourselves, is just uh, about Daniil Hunter. So we talked about Daniil Hunter the other day on the show. I want you to propose me a Daniil Hunter trade that makes sense for the Vikings and another team keeping in mind that you can't get draft capital this year because of the way his contract works out. Right. I'm just, I'm kind of looking through some of the older deals and you look at kind of the Khalil Mack thing. And I know there's probably a little bit of skill difference there, not much, but I I think Khalil Mack's a little bit better of a player. So something along those lines where uh, I'm trying to remember that exact deal where Khalil Mack, the bears received Khalil Mack in a second in a 2019 second round pick, but the Raiders got a 2019 first round pick. 2020 first round pick. I don't think you're getting two first round picks for uh, Daniel Hunter uh, just because when you have to trade him, I think you might be able to get a first and maybe a third. I don't know. I might be thinking too high on that, but a first for sure. 
for, for a guy who's 28, who's been in the league as long as he has. He's 28. He clearly showed last year that the injuries aren't going to hobble him. He played the entire season, still put up good numbers. So I think you can still get a first-round pick for a guy who, yes, the team trading for him will need to pay him probably around $30 million. So they're going to have to fork up a lot of money, which is which might hurt what you're able to get back from him. But I think you should be able to get a first, and if not a third, or at least another pick uh, down the line. I, I think something around around those lines. I don't know the team. I mean, if if the, the Texans aren't going to draft a quarterback this year, they're not probably going to give you their first round because they're trying to get up to uh, get Caleb Williams next year. So they're not going to give you their first. So I, I think they might be out because you're going to want a first round pick. I just don't know what team would do it, but I would say a first and a third at least for the next draft. I was thinking right along the same lines that a team that might be horrible is not going to trade you a first round pick for Daniel yeah. Hunter in 2024. That's why Kansas City came to mind for me. Ooh, and yeah. I believe they let Frank Clark go this last off season, if I'm not mistaken. And I can't remember every single transaction in the AFC, but uh, I, th- I think that's right about Frank Clark. And so, you know, they might be looking for edge help and they are always going to be a team that should trade their first round pick for a player at any point that they can because they're in a Super Bowl or bust mode all the time. Now, maybe are you happy giving Kansas City a a better chance at the Super Bowl? I don't know, but I think their chances are pretty good regardless. So I think I would go Kansas City's first and third. One of the fun things that the NFL is doing now is where you trade a pick but you give back a pick that's one round later. And then you say, Oh, we got a first rounder for him, even though you sent a second. So like get a first (laughs) and a second, send back a third. And it'll be like, Oh, they got a first and a second for him. Even though it's like sort of, but not hundred percent. That was like the trade you were just saying where it was a first, a first, but they also received a second. So it's not exactly like two firsts, but we say two firsts and they know we say two firsts and that's why they do it. Uh, I think something like that though, a first and a third and you send back a fourth, something like that. And I think everybody's happy. I I don't, I mean, unless there's a young ish player that they could give the Vikings back, who would be much cheaper, maybe a second round pick and a young player, but who wants to give up young players in the NFL? Almost nobody. I don't see that happening, but I think a first and a third where you throwing in a fourth or something like that is a pretty reasonable return. And I do think also that teams are willing to trade from way the next draft out because everyone forgets that it happened. If right. you do it on draft, it's like they traded a first for this guy on draft night. Uh, but if you trade it at June 2nd, you trade him to Kansas city and no one in Kansas city is going, Oh no. What will we be doing? Uh, with the, you know, right? It's like, <laughs> right, yeah. okay, that's going to be the 32nd or 31st pick. So yeah. uh, just real just real quick here before we wrap up, what are the odds that Darius Smith, Daniel Hunter, and Delvin Cook are moved during or after the draft? So uh, Hunter has to be moved after the draft. I, I think it's going to be before. I think that, like, keep your uh, eyeball emojis out for next week. I also think that Cook's getting cut. I, I just don't see who's making a trade. The contract is so yeah. bad. I think he's getting straight up cut and there's sort of been already buzz of, Oh, this team could look at him if he gets cut. Same with Ezekiel Elliott. Zedarius maybe has a little better chance of being traded, but even then once everybody knows they're not going to give you much and who wants one of the problems with Zedarius, who wants a player who wants a new contract, who's coming off a year where he played well for half a season and then got hurt. And is 30 years old. 
teams are much more apt to say, well, wait and sign them. If you're, if you're the bears, mm-hmm. you're like keeping your eye out. They got right. cap space still. Right. So uh, anyway, great stuff from everybody in the comments tonight. Didn't even get to all the questions because you guys brought it. Uh, so thanks Jonathan for mm-hmm. all of your help. Thanks everybody for watching. And uh, we're one step closer every day. We get closer to finally having the draft and answering a whole new set of questions. So thanks everybody for watching again, and we will catch you all soon.